Welcome back to the Meet Us in Paris podcast, the podcast about all things travel, be it destinations, food, having an amazing time, or what to pack for your next trip. With me today are my co-hosts, Kristen and Emily. Hello. How's it going, gals? I think you could hear it in our hellos. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, we've been recording in the morning, and I think... uh, I need to drink more coffee or something. <laughs> uh, I can't have coffee, so Ooh. I'm just struggling through. Oh, that's right. You can't have yeah. coffee? Oh, no. no. All right. I'm supposed to have caffeine. Yeah. So. But drink, drinking wine's fine when you're pregnant, right? Uh, no. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Where did you go to school? <laughs> well, I've never been pregnant, so I've never had to <laughs> worry Fair about enough. that. To make okay. the things you learn, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait until you hear about the rest. So great. Um, after having my kid, there's so many things you learn about uh, being a parent and childbirth and everything that you more than you ever need to know. So <laughs> don't try. Anyways, so today is a semi-special episode. So apparently, this is our 101st podcast. Really? What? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely your 101st podcast because you've been on all of them. No, I haven't. You guys did one without me. Oh, you're right. So this is your 100th. Congrats. Oh, Congrats. Officially, yeah. this is the 100th. <laughs> But Kristen, no, but that's still very impressive. But I didn't come in at the beginning. No, but you were around 20. So you've had to be on like close to 80. If not okay. More, uh, well, know? I missed a lot when I was traveling and stuff too. So let's call it an even 70. <laughs> we'll call it an even 70. <laughs> okay. So anyways, and then and so funny because now that um, Katharina dropped out because she was doing, she was batting 100 too. Yeah. I mean, she, you know, she was 100%. So. Totally. And then, you know, of course, she um, she moved on, and I've been talking to her. She's in San Francisco, and she loves it. But oh, she finally made it up there? Good. Yeah, she did. Good. Yeah. yeah. Actually, she was sending some photographs of um, some of the parks, and they actually have, um, you, you know, like in Tetherball, they have like a circle around the Tetherball pole? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So in the parks, they actually have oh. essentially circles oh, yeah. painted yeah. on the lawn. Yeah, I've so, seen that. They do that in New York Central yeah, Park right I've now, seen, too. Yeah, I've seen that in New York photos. Yeah, so. Anyway, somehow I let our 100th episode pass, or maybe it's just because I haven't. This is actually my 100th uh, um, podcast. <laughs> um, so it's mostly probably the COVID thing. It's blended all the podcasts together. So sure. I'm going to pretend that I planned it this way. And, <laughs> and next time we'll celebrate our 201st episode. Anyways, perfect. perfect. Thank perfect. goodness. We all agree. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we When this is released, we will be close to October. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Jeez. Where did time go? I think it'd be fun as a nod to Halloween to share some of our uh, country's favorite spooky state urban legends. Um, that you can tell around the campfire. Um, but don't no campfires in California. Um, yeah, and as no. always, <laughs> no gender reveals either. <laughs> oh, oh my God. No organ. Don't please. Maybe, maybe, <sighs> uh, 2020 has been a little bit of a dumpster fire, <laughs> but we'll get back to that after our sponsor break. Okay. Meet Us in Paris is sponsored by the University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. Do you have an educational goal? At UCI DCE, we're here to help. With over 60 certificate programs available, we've helped over a quarter million students reach their goals, and we can help you reach yours too. You can find us at ce.uci.edu. Dream big, take risks, be amazing. Okay, so... As we like to do, here is a short history lesson on Halloween. Ooh, this is fun. I don't actually know the history. (laughs) Okay. So in the U.S., many believe that Halloween began with Samhain, um, 
I think I'm spelling or pronouncing that right, S-A-M-H-A-I-N, one of the major celebrations of the ancient Celtic people who are in Europe. So Samhain was considered their New Year celebration because it marked the end of the growing season and the beginning of winter. So as mm-hmm. part of their New Year celebrations, uh, the people who would celebrate, they would light fires, dress in animal costumes, and tell each other's fortunes. Cool. Huh. Okay. So eventually the holiday evolved and the Catholic Church turned November 1st, which was the original date of Samhain, Hain, Samhain, into the religious holiday of All Saints Day or All Hallows Day, hmm. which made October when 31st. Was that? Mm, don't have sorry, no date year. Nope. Okay. <laughs> A long time ago, probably. A long <laughs> years ago. Um, yeah, so they made the November first All Saints Day or All Hallows Day, which made October thirty first mm-hmm. the date of All Hallows Eve. That I did know. I've heard of All Hallows Eve, which has now become Halloween. Yeah, we've all right. seen Hocus Pocus. Oh yes, that's exactly <laughs> where I learned it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another yeah. history lesson taught through pop culture. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so I will begin with my first urban legend from Massachusetts. Um, So I chose this one because it's the Puckwudgie legend. And if you are a Harry Potter fan, I know if you're a Harry Potter fan, um, you'll Puckwudgie will be familiar because uh, I forgot how fairly recently, like maybe four or five years ago. J.K. Rowling, she created like the North American uh, School of Wizardry. All the the world, oh. all the worlds, all the worlds. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And so in North America, the witchcraft school of wizardry, Hogwarts equivalent, is called Ilvermorny. And I, to my knowledge, I don't know. Uh, if there's official like sorting quizzes that you can take for the schools around the world, but at least for Ilvermorny, you can take like the official quote unquote um, sorting hat thing. So I took it and I'm actually a Pukwudgie. Yay! So Cute. when I found that legend, I was like, ooh, let's learn some more about my house. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Pukwudgies, they originated from Massachusetts, obviously, that's why we're talking about it, in the Hockamock Swamp, which I don't know geographically where that is, but it's like in a foresty area. They're known as like forest woodland creatures um, haunting nearby forests. Um, And they're seen, people who have sighted them, have, or even just in legend, the way they describe, describe them, they're little tricksters that kind of, they have like a porcupine back. They're about two or three feet tall. Uh, and they have like, they have humanoid features. So they have like a nose, ears, eyes, but everything is kind of like exaggerated. It's like larger. Mm-hmm. And so there's this sketch that I found on the internet that it kind of looks like, um, it. I can't remember what pop culture TV show or something, but it looks like this really cute porcupine with like, troll like hair if that makes sense sure. um yeah <laughs> so, that mean it stands straight a, up like, yeah, like troll? It okay it stands straight up uh, okay. what did you ask then oh it's like the, the humanoid shape. yeah they're humanoid okay. mm-hmm. and so they are tricksters so they're known to like if they can just um they can either confuse you or harm you just by staring at you so there is this um report i don't know how long i don't know the date or (laughs) how recent this was but there was a guy in his car and he was like sitting in his parked car um everything was off and he was just sitting there and then he looked in his rearview mirror and apparently saw a puck wedgie matched all the descriptions of a puck wedgie and then all of a sudden his radio turned on um, so I don't know. But it was actually Nick like Nolte filming in the area. <laughs> <laughs> they sound That's like North me. American trolls. Yeah, kind of. Um, so they originated like the legend or the myth of them originated, they say, from Native American folklore, um, primarily the Wampanoag and the Delaware Lenape. Bay tribes. Don't mm-hmm. know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's definitely a Native American for- folklore um, that kind of trickled into legend and myth. And 
Some other hauntings or just things that they do, they um, tricksters, so they play mean tricks and then can even become murderous if you like antagonize them enough. Oh. Uh, you can risk being pushed off a cliff, shot with poison <laughs> arrows, um, or they can even steal your soul. <gasps> so, Damn, it gets that, real uh, dark. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do not like horror movies, but I feel like that would be a cute one to yeah. see. The fuck like, all of the images that you find, or at least, at least I found on the internet, just like sketches and just people describing their features, they look so cute. Um, yeah. And they're supposedly, they can live with um, humans, but it's just like they're easily antagonized. So it's like okay. this it's kind of like bedtime horror story that parents tell their kids or something like that sure, um, sure. but i guess to end on a happier note just tying it back to harry potter um so puck wedgies in the harry potter world they have magical abilities that we spoke of but not only do they have like those telepathic abilities they can also disappear and reappear whenever they want to um, or they can also transform completely or partially into a porcupine or a cougar. I don't know where the cougar part came in, but that's huh. what they can do apparently in the magical world. And they can also create fire. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> yep. They got it all. Yeah. <laughs> and they're only two or three feet high. So cute. Cute. <laughs> <sighs> They're, oh. They sound like like gremlins where they're almost yeah. cute, but they're like evil. <laughs> like little tricksters. Don't get, yeah. don't get them wet. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, are we going around the virtual table? Who's sitting where? I can't remember anymore. Oh, no. Um, but I can go. Um, so one, one thing that I chose, because this is in a way dear to my heart, is the Goat Man of Maryland. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> And it's a legendary half goat, half man creature that has um, the head and hindquarters of a goat and the body of a human. So it sounds like kind of, you know, all those like cartoon drawings of the devil. Is this like also Mr. Tumnus from the Chronicles of Narnia? Oh, maybe. But he doesn't have, does he have the head of a goat? I don't think he I think in reverse, has, right? He has horns and he has the hind legs, but I don't know. At least in the there's movie. There's a name there's a name for those creatures. That's like a Greek mythological ah. creature where they have they have like the two oh, little legs that yes. they walk on. Yes. In Hercules. Minotaur. The- Minotaur, yes. Minotaur, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. This would uh, be a minigoat. Yeah. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, according to urban legend, the goat man is an axe wielding half animal, <laughs> half man creature. Uh, and he was once a scientist. Um, and he, what? Yeah. He apparently worked at the Beltsville Agricultural Research Center. So this is a real place in Beltsville, Maryland. Um, and they say that he uh, was experimenting on goats and then one experiment backfired and he was mutated and basically became like a goat himself. Um, so he then began attacking cars with an axe and roaming the back roads of Beltsville, Maryland, terrorizing people. Um, and apparently this whole legend was, um, popularized again in Maryland in 1971, uh, when there was a death of a dog that ended up being blamed on the goat man by the local residents. (laughs) Um, yeah, so they keep it up. And I... I actually have like a goat man story from my past, uh, but it's not mine, but it, it was like me and my friends um, were really into this story from one of our friends. And it was like a favorite pastime to hear it because uh, one of my friends in high school, they, this was like a legend in their family. Like they all swear by this story that like his grandfather, his great grandfather was like a rancher in, you know, kind of like, Western, maybe like New Mexico, Arizona area or something like that. And he was out with his sheep and he had a, he had a campfire and some man came up to him and I guess he was very, his like grandfather was very arrogant and like, um, I ain't afraid of no one kind of thing. (laughs) And this guy comes up to him and he's standing behind the fire so that he can't see all of him. He kind of just sees the face and the guy kind of goes, well, I heard you're the guy who's not afraid of anything. And he's like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) 
And then he blacks out. He wakes up. The campfire's gone. Like his sheep are gone. All this stuff. And he is like leaving. And then he sees that guy come up to him and he holds his lantern up. And the story goes, the man tipped his hat like so to his grandfather. And when he held up the lantern, he saw that he had goat legs and he ran like off into the desert. And so like he like dedicated his life to Christ after that. And, like, oh man. <laughs> became like a very humble, like faith bound person. And that's like been passed on in their story. So like the whole legend of the goat man, um, it's very nice to me. I, I like have good feelings <laughs> associated with it because I loved I loved to hear that story. It was so fun. But apparently, there's one in Maryland. Maybe that's the one who made his way over to the Western United States at one Cross point. I'm country. not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what's terrorizing the uh, Atlantic seaboard. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I don't think I have one. To- beat those but uh, um i always tell everyone that i'm from originally from ohio so i had to find out what the ohio folklore was oh sure and this comes from uh loveland ohio loveland ohio i actually have not been to loveland ohio i used to travel all over the place but i don't believe i made it there it is the bottom left hand corner of the state that's where the city is and they have something called the loveland frog and the Loveland frog is essentially a humanoid frog that comes out in the middle of the night and essentially, um, uh, you know, just haunts the city at night. Um, it apparently, they, they actually have records of this, apparently. So there's some records somehow, maybe it was in the newspaper, but it started in 1955 about there was a traveling salesman heading down a, a road at night and the man saw um, three figures on their um, walking on their hind legs, but or standing upright like a person on the side of the road. And they were about three to four feet tall with leathery skin and they had frog faces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and apparently, um, these three frogs, I don't know if there's only three total, but they were actually having a conversation. And <laughs> one actually had a magic wand. And when he swung it over its head, um, it caused sparks to fly about and it scared the, the salesman. Um, then. Okay, so this is 1955. Apparently, again, it resurfaced again in 1972. And a policeman who actually claims he saw a weird-looking creature, it, which was kind of combination of a almost like a dog shape, and but it was kind of like a dog mixed together with a frog. Yeah, um, so roughly about the same kind of description. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, a completely different police officer said he saw the same thing. Wow. What? So it was actually cited twice by two different police officers. They don't know what it was because it was so dark and um, they weren't sure. And, uh, you know, there's some thought that could have been an iguana abandoned, but I don't think mm-hmm. iguanas were that popular in 1972. Okay. In Ohio, yeah, you know? Ohio. <laughs> in Ohio, yeah, and then um, this thing resurfaces again. There actually is like a cell phone video or something like that. In 2016, someone showed the uh, some apparently some guys were playing Pokemon. A guy was playing Pokemon Go with his uh, girlfriend, and you know, like Pokemon Go when it first came out, everyone was wandering all over the place. Yeah, and he actually has videotape of this, um, or actually a photograph of this thing, um, roughly the shape of a frog, but it had two glowing eyes. So they saw this in the middle of the evening and there's now there's a photograph. It's like the Loch Ness monster of Ohio. And 2016, that's a pretty reliable cell phone era. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was dark, I guess. I mean, I guess it was dark. So the thing is that, you know, you get shady kind of mediocre film quality, but yeah, 
it was something near the water and um you can actually see the photo online and it's just roughly a frog shaped um i think they were saying it was like two feet high and on top of it you'll see there's like two glowing almost like glowing eyes or where eyes should be on top of the head of a frog (laughs) so bizarre yeah Um, it's so bizarre that this thing still continues to exist so there's the ohio folklore of um of the frog frogman they never talk about anything i mean nothing particularly vicious it's just mostly sightings you know like bigfoot you never hear about bigfoot taking prisoners so (laughs) Hmm, true okay that's ohio for you yeah (laughs) interesting okay um I'll go next. So, uh, mine is about Lake Lanier in Georgia. Have either of you heard anything about it or familiar Uh with the lake? No, Uh but I know Georgia has a lot of, like, swampland and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, So it seems kind of creepy. What's interesting is I actually went to Lake Lanier, like, back maybe 10-ish years, maybe even further back but it's been a while but i've definitely been to lake lanier um we went one summer it was a huge family reunion and we rented like two cabins that we the families like split between um and i had no idea vacation destination so i had no idea i was like too young (laughs) to like really understand it was just like my aunt chose like lake lanier and we stayed in cabins and it was cute and it was i knew nothing about the area and then we went to like atlanta and we like did went to see like the aquarium the coca-cola center or whatever it's called um but yeah i had no idea that there was any real spookiness about lake lanier until i was doing research for this podcast and apparently um just to begin with lake lanier is supposedly is like a party lake no idea it was definitely not a party lake when i was there it was a very (laughs) tame family area um at least that i knew of and i didn't know this but lake lanier is actually a man-made lake Hmm. yeah so surprised they need those on the east coast like that yeah i don't like i'm not too sure about the history of necessarily why they created the lake actually well based on the legend or just like why it's a spooky area it's because some guy wanted to build a town there so uh, apparently at the bottom of the lake is almost a fully intact town with ferries and a racetrack what? and multiple cemeteries again no idea what? about this until i like read all of this wait wait this is legitimate what? yeah like suppose like legitimately at the bottom of lake lanier lies like no remnants kidding. of a town I don't know. That's uh, creepy. Yeah. So the government, um, the Georgia government, in determination to create Lake Lanier, they bought up this like entire towns in the area to try and clear space to create the lake. Uh-huh. And then I guess after they they didn't really do much and they just let the lake like cover the town i don't understand what they were thinking like what that thought process was and like creating a town and then letting the lake fill up over it i don't know or not creating town buying the towns that were already there and then just like making a lake over the town maybe it was like like our own lost city of atlantis yeah so um it was like it's 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 a man-made lake like we said it's about it's north of atlanta um and the spooky thing about it is there's supposedly a a disproportionately high frequency of boating accidents and drownings (laughs) and unexplained homicides that's just alcohol (laughs) yeah no exactly (laughs) and so obviously the logical people are just like that's what happens when you mix alcohol in like a lake (laughs) so but But everyone mixes alcohol in lakes at every lake right so i don't know suppose i mean like according to this legend there's disproportionately high like accidents and deaths on this lake so in 2011 there were 17 deaths alone oh my god um, which is pretty significant i mean i don't know i mm. don't think many people die at lakes that often every year but 17 in one year at the same lake pretty, yeah. pretty um so many of the people who drowned have been recovered 
And then there's also people who have been in the lake and they were reported feeling other arms and legs in the water. What? Ooh, which that's is nasty. Creepy. It's so creepy. <laughs> and I'm thinking that I'm like, I had no idea. Like, there was no history lesson when we came there. Um, so that's what <laughs> it wasn't. That wasn't a, like they didn't have a plaque that talked about right? this. <laughs> well, you would think if it's a whole thing, but yeah. they might. I don't know. It's so bizarre to me. Um, but yeah, so that's that feeling of like people in the lakes feeling like legs and arms around them. That's kind of no. where the myth and legend became Ooh. that there's still spirits roaming in the lake. Um, so. Yeah, there's like also like reportings of like a ghost, a female ghost on the lake's waters in some evenings. There's also reports of malevolent catfish at the bottom of the lake. Um, So that's like the legend, but like the actual historical part is obviously there's a lot of alcohol people. It's a party lake supposedly. So that's where the high number of deaths come from but also there's like um a lot of hostility towards like the government at who like bought out the town so it kind of like displaced a lot of people so i guess they just created these stories to i don't know (laughs) to explain to to get back at the government for creating this issue that now apparently there's a huge there's just towns underneath this man-made lake i'm so i'm still like what yeah, that's too much for me. That's so much. It's just crazy. Thanks for letting me know what to avoid in yes. Georgia. <laughs> well, speaking of lakes, I will take you over to Nevada. And there is, um, it's Pyramid Lake, and it's just north of Reno, um, near the border. And it's one of Nevada's largest natural lakes, and it is called Pyramid Lake. And um, apparently the like bad juju goes back like a long way. And like people are always kind of talking about just having bad vibes and stuff when they're near this lake and whatnot. But so one of the legends that has come out of it is this spiteful mermaid. So um, the, the native American tribe from this area is the Paiutes. And so, um, they say that a mermaid actually married one of the members of the Paiute tribe, but the marriage was disapproved. Um, so they banished her from their tribal area. Um, and so she lives in that lake and promises revenge to any members of the tribe that come near the shores. Um, so that, that, what I'm reading sounds very specific. So if you are a member of that tribe, that sounds more scary (laughs) than if you aren't, but there are actually a lot of other weird legends around, um, the lake. So one is the like water babies. So they say that the Paiute Indians would throw, um, like disfigured babies into the water to drown them. Um, and so, um, the the spirits of these abandoned babies are still lingering around the lake and there are stories of visitors coming to the lake and hearing the voices of children and noises of the babies and they like try to drown them in the lake and whatnot. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so if anyone goes missing in that area, the locals say that you were probably taken by the upset water babies oh. of Nevada. Um, but of course, there is also um, speculation that this is all made up just to make the Native American tribe look bad. So, <laughs> oh. uh, so it goes, I don't know, it's all over the place. But I think they still kind of... It, they say like with Loch Ness, like if you measure like the frequencies or the magnetic waves or whatever, things are really weird and, you know, paranormal. So they kind of had that same vibe at this lake. So it just seems that this lake has like a lot of bad energy. So people have created all of these legends to freak you out. So avoid Pyramid Lake and Lake Lanier. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I will. (laughs) Done and done. Cool. So um, we're talking about urban legends, right? So I have actually one from Southern California. 
Ooh. You ready for this one? Where in Southern California? Let me wait, wait, wait. Look, just listen. This is the story. Okay. <laughs> nope, I like to. So this <laughs> is this is nineteen. This happens in actually. It came about in nineteen ninety eight. Oh, okay. very recent. So in nineteen ninety eight, um, it just happens to be. Um, oh, geez, what was it? It was Game Seven of the playoffs, NBA Finals. And um, during this period of time, I don't know if you guys saw it. I actually didn't see it. But um, it was the Bulls were playing against the the Jazz. Okay. Okay. Um, And at the very, very last second, the the Jazz team had thrown a three-pointer, and they were um, in a three-point lead with 40 seconds to go before the, the game ended. And um, out of the blue, Michael Jordan gets the ball. And, of course, Michael Jordan does what he does. And he throws the ball and ties the game, and then they go overtime, and they, they um, I believe they win. Or maybe they receive in a second point. So amazing. But it just happened at this particular time. There was a man who was walking around on one of the campuses at in in California, um, listening to the game with his um, listening to the game, and he was hit by a car and he was killed. And to this day, this man is walking around the University of California Irvine's campus, and he's known as Swagman. Oh my god! Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you made that up. <laughs> so if. No one knows is not familiar with Southern California or the University of California, Irvine in particular. Yeah. UCI <laughs> <laughs> specific. This is a very specific urban legend um, for the University of California, Irvine. There is a gentleman who, God, he looks like he's six foot four, right? And maybe like 150 pounds. Very tall gentleman who wears a Bulls jersey, a Michael Jordan Bulls jersey. Um, with a hat, sunglasses, and he walks around campus and he has a very unusual walk. And he doesn't s- stop to talk to anyone. He just walks around the campus at random times. And people don't know. No one knows anything about this gentleman except he is a big Michael Jordan's fan. And so all the students on campus think if you see him, he is a symbol of good luck. Yes. So if you are going to ha- take an exam and you see Michael Jordan, it is it ensures that you are going to get a good grade on campus. Actually, Emily, you might be able to tell more. Oh, yes. I can confirm. That is the legend. <laughs> do you know anything else about the legend? Or do you I, got any more I really folklore about this? I really don't. I just remember like being on campus and pe- I would hear people talking about Swagman. And I'm like, what is this man? <laughs> like, what? Does he, like, how does he what is this swag that why does he have this name and it's yeah it really is just the way that he walks it's very he's a tall guy like you said Zen, and the way he walks is very long strides arms a swinging very purposeful like and it's, it's just, almost to the point where he's standing so tall he's almost leading backwards yeah it like. no it is that's the definition of swag he it yeah. really, got it figured out <laughs> yeah and so i have it's funny like you'll see um posts on either instagram or facebook or things like that and people will be like i saw swag man today i'm like like it's good luck for my for my what final exam finals <laughs> midterms or whatever um i mean i can't confirm i have seen him definitely before midterms and i was like oh yes it's a sign <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't and, remember and what i got <laughs> and and as we are <laughs> sponsored by the university of california irvine and the thing is like w- when you on campus it's like it's a folklore and then it's just like oh what you know it's like you just like i don't i don't believe you and then you see him and you see him and then, and it's it's a thing. Is like I'll even take photographs of him. Yeah, yeah. People and, will and I'll send them to my friends. <laughs> yes. You know, I'll take photographs and send it to my friends. And if you haven't seen him for a while, you get a little bit. I mean, strangely, you get a little bit nervous. And during these COVID times, people are like, 
I wonder what Swagman's doing. And then photographs will start showing up of him still walking around on campus. Oh, that's so, nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, people are genuinely concerned. He, he's like the unofficial mascot of UCI. Yes. Yes. It's true. Totally. <laughs> like a rite of passage to see him. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. And there's some people who actually go four years at UCI and who haven't seen them and they're actually kind of disappointed <laughs> it's like they haven't had the full experience of being a college student at the university of california and so he really is this urban legend where you, you're not guaranteed to like come in contact him. with it or not yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah there's no yeah. rhyme or reason to his schedule you don't know where he'll pop up at any moment i won't tell you a secret i actually have seen him in a car what? Uh, One day. Is he in his he usual drives. Bulls jersey and everything? Yep. Oh. I actually um, worked on uh, an outs- one of the buildings right side outside of the campus. And I was going to lunch with some. This is how crazy we believe in Swagman. Um, and I was going to eat lunch with some friends. And there was f- literally three people in my car. And as I was driving out of the parking lot. Swagman drives into our parking lot and I went, that's Swagman. And everyone went, what? <laughs> and then I immediately did a U-turn nice. <laughs> and I followed him. I actually followed him. And remember, I'm taking, I, I didn't even ask permission. Everyone in the car was just like, didn't even say, no one even went, what are you doing? And everyone's like, you got to follow him. <laughs> so we actually followed him and he got out of a Honda Civic. Oh, um, and on the back window was a Air Jordan sticker. Nice. Imagine that. But we, wow. we actually we actually parked like 100 yards away from him. So he didn't see us, but we were all like hiding in the bushes. So so that's my little story of my encounter <laughs> with Swagman. And well, it was a good one. I enjoyed it. <laughs> 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 all right. Uh, okay, so we're on our third and final round. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I will end with Louisiana, New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, they are known, if you don't know, like New Orleans is definitely like a hot spot for spookiness. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually took like a haunted uh, foot tour, foot walking tour. I don't know why I said foot. <laughs> I took a haunted <laughs> walking tour uh, one night when I was there and it was actually not as scary as I thought it would be. Um, it was more just like historical and like fun ghost stories. Nothing like actually happened. Um, but I do recall, I think, um, this one legend that is the vampire known as, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's Comte, Comte de Saint Germain. <laughs> Um, so supposedly his real name is unknown, um, but he, and also his birth and background are obscure. He just showed up in New Orleans one day, um, and he claimed that he was like the son of a prince of Transylvania. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, exactly. Um, so basically he just like showed up one day, um, in the city, in the town, and he came, he was a real person, but no one really knows anything about him. So the, the human, like the actual person was real, but everything, kind of like the legend is obviously legend. Um, but the real person, he was an alchemist. Um, he really was an alchemist. So he like spent his days turning metal into gold or things like that. Um, and he was also like a very high society guy. He threw, he had a mansion in the center of town and he threw a lot of parties. Um, and he was also like friends with like King Louis and like Catherine the Great and like Voltaire. So he was like, a very high society guy. Um, everyone who knew who he was, like everyone wanted to go to his parties and things like that. And he's known um, to, I think Voltaire said that he, when he was explaining this Comte de Saint-Germain, he was saying, he said that this is a man who never dies and who knows everything. So the legend now is that he would lure people into his home so he'd throw parties and then he would like identify this woman or whatever his like prey would be that night and he would lure them up into like the balcony and try and suck their blood obviously as a vampire (laughs) Um, yes yes yes. and so uh i guess that that's the legend and he basically 
I don't know. There, there was like, there's no real story besides the fact that he supposedly sucked people's blood and then he just died. <laughs> like that was, that's the whole story of him. But then 200 years later, this other guy named Jacques St. Germain um, comes to New Orleans and he, people think that he is the, he, people thought that he was the descendant of Comte de, what did I say? Comte de St. Germain. But the legend is that he's actually the original St. Germain and he just like uh, disappeared for 200 years and then like resurfaced somehow. Uh, it's like, did you see that Blake Lively movie, The Age of Adeline? <laughs> No, but I know what you're talking about. I'm so humiliated that I, I watched it on a plane once when there was nothing else, but she like doesn't age. And so she has to keep like moving in and yeah. like reinventing herself because she looks exactly the same. So that must be where they got it from. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised. So this guy, he comes 200 years later. He basically like conducts himself the same exact way as this original Comte de Saint Germain. So he throws the parties. He's also like this high society guy. Um, but there's more to his legend than the original one. Uh, so basically he, I don't know if he takes over the same mansion, but he, there's a mansion involved. Mm. Um, and then the, sto- the actual story that ties into being a vampire is that one night during a party, he took this woman up to his balcony and he attempted to bite her neck, but she freaked out and was somehow able to distract him long enough to then jump. She jumped off the balcony to like save herself because that was her only escape i guess Mm -hmm. um and then i guess she i don't know if she actually died or what but when people came to see if she was okay there was blood trickling from her neck and that was kind of how they tied the the vampireness to him i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but then uh so then the police investigated the crime so they got into his house and they obviously like looked through everything and they it was said that they found no food, no utensils in the house, but they only found what looked like bottles of red wine and I guess it turned out to actually be human blood. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> Um, and then, but what they didn't find after they like inspected his house was Jacques de Saint Germain. So he, after that incident, he just never returned. I don't know. Vampires. Uh, I think if I recall correctly on my um, walking tour, the guy, the guide, he was saying that the the tie to the vampireness was just that he just had really fair skin. And he <laughs> was like, that was okay. He like had really fair skin and he was so spooked by like all the accusations that he just left. <laughs> it sounds like, like Tommy Wiseau. Do you guys know about Tommy Wiseau, the no. guy who made the movie The Room? Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> because he has a weird accent. No one knows where he's from. He's loaded with money, all this stuff. He tells people he's from like New Orleans, I think. But, oh my god! Yeah, uh, that's funny. <laughs> they they made a documentary, like a fake documentary of The Room. The disaster artist is that what you're talking that, about? Yes, I yes. guess that's like, it's it's a movie about them making the movie, yeah. and it is amazing. I love that movie. <laughs> really? Okay, yeah. I'll have to watch it. Uh, James Franco does amazing yes. in it. Yeah, it's good. All I recommend. Right. Okay. Um, so we have a story here about Vermont's frozen folks, and one reason I chose this was because. Um, when I was living in New York, I actually went up to Montreal via train. Um, that was fun at first until 14 hours later. I'm like, get me off this train. Anyways. Um, and this was, it was in November, but I remember as the train was going through upper Vermont, it was just white as far as I could see. I mean, just the amount of like deep freezing in this area, um, I totally believe that this could be true because <laughs> Vermont looks like it gets pretty harsh winters. So um, there was originally published on the front page of the Montpellier Argus and Patriot newspaper. 
on December 21st, 1887, there was a story that this reporter apparently found these entries in his uncle's diary um, that detailed one family's ritual of freezing their elderly and weak members and putting them into cold storage for the winter to thaw them out in the spring. Oh my God, what? what? So, yeah, so this is like one of their things. So apparently this very poor family of hill farmers um, in a very isolated mountain town in, in Vermont, um, the the winters each year were just too cold and hard for all of them, and they didn't have like enough food to go around. So to solve their problem without killing anybody, the family developed a process to freeze some of the members alive and then thaw them out in time to help with oh spring God. planting. <laughs> oh, my God. They can't catch a break. <laughs> this is like... This is cryogenic. Uh, I was gonna say it's like cryogenic sleeping, like when you're it's going. Like to in, yeah, it's like in the space movies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so Man, they figured um, it out. <laughs> they did before. This was 1887, so they were onto something. Um, the the diaries from this Uncle William apparently he witnessed farmers drug six of the family members, specifically four men and two women, and the drugs took effect while they were in a warm cabin, and they apparently didn't even know this was happening. They did not agree to this. Oh my god! So <laughs> always check pour your own drinks, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and then once they were unconscious, they were stripped down to one garment and carried outside, and they just let Vermont weather work its winter magic um, <laughs> until the bodies began to freeze um, and then in a few hours the frozen bodies would be packed into a box with straw to guard against predators for their months of cold storage sure um, and they were buried usually from January until May that is wow. how how crazy Vermont gets up there I think um, so let's see so then they would um in May, they would dig them up and bring them out of their coffins, I guess, their <laughs> straw coffins, and put into steaming baths of hemlock potion. Ooh. And after about an hour, color began to return and fingers began to twitch. And family members would rub the bodies continuously and slowly the frozen hill people would awake. They this would- is very detailed. <laughs> It, well, wow. these were supposed they were supposedly diary entries, and it was published as a wow. newspaper article. Um, they were then brought inside and seated next to a roaring fire and given a hearty meal. And after just a few hours, those that were frozen appeared to be completely revived and all the more healthy for their four months' sleep. Nice. So it's it's not. I don't think these people necessarily had any ill will. They didn't outlive their frozenness and come kill anyone they're not white walkers or whatever but (laughs) just kind of a very creepy tradition that people in vermont apparently swear is true so all all i can say is like whoa 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 where did we bury uncle george (laughs) (laughs) uncle george is still down there so what if the marker gets buried somewhere (laughs) and he gets knocked over by a deer when you're not paying attention you know i really would not have minded being frozen for all of 2020 <laughs> 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 when it's 2021 <laughs> oh my goodness yeah so. okay um geez which one sh- i'm gonna do uh i got i actually had two prepared um i actually had three prepared but i had to come up with the swagman story so now i got an yes. extra ones so i am going to go with uh Something that happened in uh, Bucksport, Maine. So the tomb of the town's founder was a gentleman named Colonel Jonathan Buck. And um, on his tombstone, there is a mysterious stain on the tombstone. And apparently the story goes like this, is that... um, Colonel Buck burnt a witch um, during, like, apparently there was witch, you know, this is time of witch trials and all sure. those types, mm-hmm. and burned a witch um, in punishment, and the leg, one of the legs rolled out of the bonfire. Ooh. And the, um, oh, I'm, and, and then the heirs to the, uh, the heirs tried to clean the foot off on 
off on the stone and I'm sorry. See, I don't quite get this, but apparently this leg image is now on uh it's like blood on his tombstone. Oh, it's like in the shape of a leg? In the shape of a leg. And apparently they keep on trying to clean off the stain on his tombstone, which appeared after he had died, obviously. And it would it would just reappear. So they even replaced the tombstone. And Whoa. when they replaced the tombstone, the exact same stain in the came exact back. same shape came back. And if you look online, you'll be able to see that this stain is uh they actually have the tombstone on a, and then you can see the photographs and there's this eerie kind of it's definitely a um wizard of oz kind of like you know kind of which is like more than anything else mm-hmm. so yeah so that's the that's, that's the creepy. curse of the colonel so yeah um and it's changed over the series over the years and what's strange is if this is a small town in maine but because it's a small town in maine the story the story grew and grew and grew and came out through other towns. And now it's actually kind of a tourist attraction that everyone will come to the area (laughs) and they'll actually specifically go to this tomb of the founder of the city just to see the stain of the witch's leg. Wow. Wow. So, so this reminds me of that episode of friends where Joey dates the woman with the bionic (laughs) leg and he throws it on the fire. So he's going to have a leg stain on his tombstone, too. Oh, my God. My favorite is when he's telling the story, and then they're like, you threw the dog in the fire? And he goes, no, I wish. It was her leg. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this was the original Joey Tribbiani back in the day. Oh, my God. Colonel Buck. Nice. And and just don't touch it is what I, the way I feel about it. Oh, yeah, sure. Don't don't touch it. Don't want to bring the bad jujus back. Yeah. All right. Well, that has been fun. Yeah. (laughs) Learned a lot of creepy stuff. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. We can, I feel like there's so many more like weird or like New Orleans itself. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. We could do a whole. There's got to be like so many good international stories. Oh, maybe we should do that for like in a week or two. Sure. Maybe. Yeah, All let's right. do that. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you for tuning in to our 101st episode, um, <laughs> quote unquote, <laughs> um, and listening to our urban legends around the U.S. and celebrating with us. So that's it for today. What do you guys think? Do you have any other urban legends that we may have missed that are like super near and dear to your heart um, let us know on our social media channels where you can also find photos of our adventures from around the world interesting articles and more meet us in paris is a university of california irvine division of continuing education production if you need a career boost looking to increase your workplace knowledge or seeking a new profession check them out at ce.uci.edu for their professional courses Thanks again for, t- for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.